eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Line Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner on this Monday, June 14th. And why not? Let's get a Mondays with Mike. Welcome back. Michael Carpenter to the podcast, and I said this to Joey Wagner on uh, Friday when we did a podcast, Carpets. Welcome back, society, it feels like. I was at a wedding this week. You were on vacation. I had a vacation about a month ago. We were just talking before we got on the pod. It's like two months, last two months after we've gotten vaccinated. I know you were a little earlier as as a teacher. Um, It's it's gradual back to reality. The, The band is back on the road, right? That's right, man. We got gigs coming up. I got concerts to go to. And I got to say, like, the absence of music was a bigger deal for me than I thought. And I think because of that, the absence of music and a lot of other things, you know, we latched on to that Illini basketball team so much. And to be completely honest with you, in the last month, it has been a nice reprieve from focusing every single day on Illini basketball because you must not be on our, our, you must not be on our premium board that often because the (laughs) the assistant coach search is still a daily, like what is going on? What, why, why is this not happening? Is our program in turmoil? It's pretty interesting. And for me, it's just, eh, I got other things to do. And that's the, that's the difference is we didn't really have anything else to do, which made a a fun season, all the more, you know, involving and, and easy to get engrossed in. But now that we are kind of in the off season, it's nice to feel as the you know self-appointed fanboy, I guess, that I can kind of view the assistant coaching search or the state of Illinois basketball or Illinois football with a sort of level-headedness that I know I could not have done two, three months ago when there wasn't anything else to do. The level-headedness of CARP through the pandemic and through through all of this CARP, whether it was Lovey getting fired, Brett Bielman being hired, Illinois basketball early eggs, I know as disappointing as it was, like you've had this level headedness. Like, have you changed, man? Like, is, is this all put in perspective things or what? We're getting older. We're getting older. We're getting wiser. And, and there's also, this is going to sound kind of, uh, I don't know, philosophical or something, but with sports, this is the bare essence of it. We have zero control over it. So it is purely from a fan perspective. It should be about enjoyment, but when you get involved in it and when you have a history with it, emotions naturally come into play. Now, all that said, the level-headedness that you mentioned, uh, Illini basketball, I got to be honest, I've used this term before, a fan fuse. I blew a fan fuse when they lost, when they lost. And then everything that's happened since on the podcast, I tried for about five weeks after that to conjure up the same sort of 
passion for it. But to be honest, I think a lot of Illini fans feel the same way. That was fun. A break is okay. We'll be excited in November. But, I mean, I, I'm just kind of sitting here in limbo waiting for news to happen to react to. Yeah. Because there's just not nothing coming down the pike. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit here, Cart. But I, I do want to react to um, great news. And I think – you know, Illinois expected this once once the numbers thankfully started to decline with with all the vaccinations going up and the hospitalizations, uh, deaths going way down. It's we'll be at 100 percent capacity, at least allowed capacity. Right. For the season opener week zero against Nebraska, the opening of the Brett Bielema era. And, and Brett hasn't exactly said these words, but I think he is so happy that this game got moved from Ireland. Because even though we could probably play that game at this point, I think to have Brett Bielma open up in Champaign is a better thing. To have it week zero, potentially, you know, the nation's eyes that want college football are going to be upon this. It's one of the best matchups, even if it's not a great Nebraska team or a great Illinois team. Uh, I I think he's so happy to have that. And, you know, he said there's 70% ticket sales so far, and they just opened up, you know, single game tickets to the public. And, you know, season ticket sales always go up for First year of a new coach. They did for Tim Beckman. They did for uh, Lovey Smith, obviously, in that first game against North Carolina was sold out. I don't know if we get to a sellout, but I think we're going to have a pretty pumped up crowd. And I think people want to get to a sporting event again. I think Brett Bielma has given them some reason for excitement. So what are your feelings as you're going to be getting ready for a tailgate back to the lots, I'd imagine, for Michael Carpenter? Yeah, well, actually, full disclosure, I'm not going to be at that. No! I know. So there was a, a music festival that has my morning jacket and Dave Matthews band. Oh, and like, yeah. Brett, I love you. And I love everything he's doing. And I, I really do feel more optimism about Illinois football than I probably have since Zook was hired. Uh, that was a splash hire. And people sometimes forget because it didn't go all that well at the end that at the beginning there was genuine excitement with Ron Zook. But there is less of that, you know, well, Ron Zook can recruit these five-star kids. All, all that sort of high-ceiling excitement we had back then. There is a queer identity that Brett Bielema has already kind of established here and a consistency that he's already kind of exuding in, in terms of how early he's getting out on recruits. And also, I think the, the thing that I didn't realize about Brett Bielema when we hired him was he's really good at the coachy stuff and the fan stuff and the outreach and the public relations. He's a great marketer. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I, I had no idea about that because I remembered him at Wisconsin and thought he was just sort of this dude and he kind of looked like a dude, and he still kind of does look like a dude, but then he talks and he hits the right buttons, especially on the heels of the Lovey Smith era. So even though I won't be there week one, I'll be checking my score quite frequently, but uh, just the idea of waking up on a Saturday morning and going to Lot 31 and the smells and the sounds and knowing that, like you said, the first week, the first year of any coach, there is that natural enthusiasm that comes with it. The cool opportunity here, as you mentioned, with this game being in Champaign instead of Dublin, is that if you get this win, and it's, I'm, I'm going to call it a 50-50 shot. I mean, you kick their butts last year. What makes them any better this year uh, as opposed to this Illinois roster with everything that's returning? You get that opening win, even if Nebraska turns out to stink, that is a major statement then with winnable non-conference games after that. And I look at something like Wisconsin on October 9th and a schedule that would allow you to maybe start 4-2 and two or something like that, and imagining that maybe even a mid-October game, we could have some genuine sellout excitement at Memorial Stadium. Um, it's, it's a real good opportunity to get this thing off on the right foot. And week zero, I don't know if game day is going to come here or not. I don't think that's in the cards necessarily, but you will have the eyes of the nation on you because you're the best matchup that weekend. 
Yeah. Um, I, I do think like this is a, a huge game for the season. Uh, it's it's one of the most winnable games on the Big Ten West because, as you said, you beat them last year. Not that you take anything for granted. And this year, Adrian Martinez will actually be the quarterback, which made no sense why he wasn't because he only tore up Lovey Smith's defenses uh, the previous couple years. So I, I don't think like you're markedly better than Nebraska, but they've lost some key players to the transfer portal. You basically kept everybody out of that, which is, which is pretty amazing. And you do return an experienced team. How talented is it? Don't know, but experience does matter, and you're not starting from scratch. But I think we saw Lovey Smith's first year, a lot of excitement, Carp. That North Carolina game, that that first quarter, Keyshawn Vaughn goes for that touchdown, and, and the tap was about to blow off that sold-out stadium. And then you lose that game to Mitch Trubisky, and they're like, who's this guy <laughs> playing really well? And, and then... You know, P.J. Fleck comes into town, kicks your butt at Western Michigan. And and just the air kind of was sucked out of that season right away. Um, the attendance fell after that, right? Um, if you win that first game, if you're Josh Whitman in the Illinois Athletics Department, you win that first game, you're thinking attendance could be much better for the next three or four games. Then, if, as you say, you get off to a solid start where you get three in your, three of your first five games or you get four of your first six games. All of a sudden, um, you feel like this program could take off. The, the October and November games are, are are really selling a lot of tickets, and, and you just feel like you got a great start to the Brett Bielma era. Because I, I think next year is going to be a drop-off regardless, just because you lose a lot of talent, you lose a lot of experience, and all Bielma's guys will be needing time to develop. But you have a, you have a chance this first year for for a really solid competitive season but that first game is is one of the most winnable Big 10 West games on the schedule. It's a good place to be in where the expectations are reasonable and I don't think anyone would be upset if they go let's say 5 and 7. It is the first year for Brett Bielma, you do have guys returning, but like you said there is you know the jury's still out on how talented you are. We know experience, but talent uh, compared to your opponents that's still kind of out there. I I do think that I don't want to oversimplify this. With every hire in the last 15 years, you know, you get Lovey Smith, and I think, well, he can't be worse than Tim Beckman. <laughs> Sadly, that's actually a debate one could have, right? Or Tim Beckman comes in after Ron Zook, and I remember saying to Laura right before our first TNJ game day downtown, she said, well, what do you think about this Tim Beckman guy? And I said, well, he can't be worse than Ron Zook. Well, right. So with this, you know, maybe there won't be the excitement that there was initially with Lovey Smith because of that brand and the name that we all had associated with. But I do think that you can win games in this Big Ten West by just not screwing up. I know that sounds really kind of oversimplified, but if you think about Lovey's tenure, the penalties, uh, the fact that you had terrible offenses for the most part, and you were so reliant on luck. I'm just looking forward to a, a product on the field that maybe isn't the sexiest product, but just runs the ball okay and has a mid-level Big Ten defense and wins these games 23 to 20. Just the kind of stuff where I used to get bored to tears watching an Iowa or Wisconsin game, depending on the opponent. But you know what? They won. Winning and, and boring. Winning yeah. and boring. Like Northwestern has some boring games, but man, it, that ain't boring. Yeah, I mean, you even think of Lovey Smith's one successful year, right? They didn't lose games. They kind of allowed and took advantage of other teams losing some of those games. And not that that's taking anything away, but Brett Bielema talks about that a lot. Um, it's more about what you don't do than what you do sometimes. Um, and in the Big Ten West, Carp, I think that's a great division to be in because 
going up against Wisconsin, you're going to be a heavy underdog, right? Going up against Iowa, and Iowa should be really good this year again. You're going to be a heavy underdog, but it's not like you're playing Ohio State. Like, the talent discrepancy is so much. Playing Penn State in that last game last year, after the first quarter where Illinois kind of came out with some energy and Isaiah Williams played pretty well, it was like, you just don't have the talent that that, that team does. Um, Wisconsin's got more talent. Iowa's got a little bit more talent, but it's not a huge discrepancy. And I've said this for a while. Nebraska, like, Lovey Smith recruited as good of a roster as, as Scott Frost really has the last couple of years. I think Jeff Brom's got it, has had a few studs, but you go down to the rest of that roster, you saw it last year when you had your four-string quarterback in, you can you can beat that team. Even though David Bell is great and Karloftis is great, I mean, you talk about the rest of the starters, Illinois might have an advantage there. Uh, and then, you know, Northwestern's obviously very good, but you're not seeing a bunch of studs uh, out there. So I think they do have a lot of opportunities in the Big Ten West, even though they'll be underdogs in most of those games. Uh, but it, it will be great uh, to just have fans back in the stadium, man, because I, just going back to that Wisconsin game and being there, it was just such an odd experience going in. Uh, and then last year, and I know Illinois usually uh, the last couple of years has probably had 50% capacity. It's still a huge difference, man. Uh, so, so to have that back, like, what are you looking forward to most for your first game back? I mentioned the lots and the sort of sensory stuff that comes with it. And um, I, I would say that for sure. I would say, you know, the things that I actually, as a football fan, that my dad and I have had season tickets since 2000. So the things that I've even kind of taken for granted or grown tired of, one example, the marching Illini are objectively great. Yep. But I've seen them so many times that for us, it's like, well, we can get one more drink in before we go in, yeah. right? But there's all these sort of pop and circumstance things that I had ignored, whether it be the Illini walk or, um, you know, just the Grange Grove festivities and uh, things like that that I'm going to try to relish this year and at least which experience the, once which by the way like i know the line i walk like if i if i'm a 34 year old man like it's not it's not as big of a deal but like sure. if you got kids like and you can see brett bielman some of these players and you can slap their hand on the way in it's a really cool thing so i i do hope like even somebody like you carp uh you, you kind of take advantage of that because i think it's a really cool thing to kind of usher in these players, usher in these coaches. And I know they appreciate the heck out of it because usually it's a bunch of families kind of lined up for that walk. And it's two and a half hours before. And if it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, it's pretty early, right? It's like 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is a pretty cool experience that if you haven't done it once, I, I would suggest you do it. Because, I mean, there's not many sports you can be that close to kind of the people you root for, right? So I, th I think it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it is cool. It's, it's a nice tradition. And I there was a quote that Brett had last week that I immediately thought of you. And maybe you asked the question, but it was about game day experience. And he said, well, I got a few ideas, but really the biggest thing I can do is just go out and win. We've had many discussions about, you know, the whether it be game day atmosphere or how much the fans are into it and things that they can do at the State Farm Center Memorial Stadium and or, or the fact that we would get maybe disgruntled texters or callers and you, your refrain over and over would be, well, if they just win, that takes care of everything. Yeah. And it really does, because I think that there is a pretty good foundation in place at Memorial Stadium and the surrounding lots and all of that. You know, I've had people from Michigan, uh, my in-laws tell me that it's an amazing setup, because if you go to a Michigan football game, for example, you could be parking a mile and a half away by the golf course, and then it's a 30-minute walk into the stadium. Everything is so concentrated around Memorial Stadium that... Uh, you have 
the foundation there for a really cool setup. And you continue to get people talk about the Mike White era. I don't think that Brett Bielma maybe has that level, level of charisma, and it will take some work to, to get that sort of energy back. But I, I mean, you've seen it when you come to game days yourself. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much to add that extra buzz in the air. Yeah. So that's why, you, as you mentioned, and I totally agree with it, that first week is not essential. You could lose it and I think still get some excitement going if it's a competitive game and you win the other non-conference mm-hmm. games. But if you win it, yeah. that's what I want to see. I want to see that Monday, uh, just the reaction in the newspaper and on the radio and just the general sense around town if they happen to get that win. Yeah, and, and you'd be on SportsCenter and all that, right? Brett Bielema kind of is a star, right? Oh, what's he going to do at Illinois after after coming back to the Big Ten? You'll have all those kind of storylines coming back. Um I, I will say, like, I think Illinois, the athletic department, I'm, and I'm not sucking up here. I think they've done a great job with the, the game experience. I, I, I will give kudos, and I know you and I have always done this. Mike Thomas did a few things right. Okay? Yes, he did. One, getting, getting uh, them back on the score, though that failed because they failed, right? They didn't win games. Was was a huge accomplishment, I thought. And I think they were on 101 ESPN. Like, I love that exposure. Like, get on better broadcast networks. Uh, the other part is Grange Grove. Like, that... that scene is great and again they can only do so much the ticket office can only do so much cassie arner and their promotions and and marketing development can only do so much um you have to win games and brett bielman knows that is his biggest thing and he can reach out do as much promotion as he wants takes advantage of the honeymoon i think he's doing that but it all comes down to winning games that's what makes the the atmosphere at, at iowa which is one of my favorites so much fun because there's going to be 70,000 people right on top of the field every time because they know every year they're going in there and, what, nine times out of ten, they're rooting for a bowl team. Half the time, they're rooting for a team competing for a Big Ten West championship and have a chance to go to, to Indianapolis. Um, that's what changes the game. That, that's what makes the best teams have the best atmospheres. Yeah, and part of the reason I was as excited about Bielma and when that name came up and you know, doing some digging and then realizing, well, let's keep this simple. If you look at his pedigree and where he played and where he coached, that's all I need to know. And whether it be the Iowa or the Wisconsin template, there's a lot of similarities with that. And I don't want to say that you know, to be in Iowa, that that is modest expectations. I don't want to downplay what Kirk Ferentz has done up there. But if it can be done at Iowa, and, and remembering how bad they were between Hayden Fry and the early years of Kirk Ferentz, he had to build that thing up. I don't think Bielma has quite that much of a rebuild job to do himself and not going to be easy. Uh, but again, the early returns are showing whether it be recruiting or just that sort of public outreach that you were sorely missing the last four or five years that he knows how to be a college football coach. And I really think if you look at the, the bad history of Illinois football, there is one common thread here. None of these coaches after they leave or get fired went on to have success at other college football mm-hmm. programs. So if we're really, you know, to oversimplify, perhaps again, not to call Ron Turner or Ron Zook or any of these guys bad coaches, but they were not highly sought after. And Brett Bielema was a guy that was going to get another opportunity at some point because what he did at Wisconsin and really even to an extent what he did in the middle part of his Arkansas tenure, the guy knows how to coach. And Belichick uh, thinks highly of him, right? Right. So, uh, and, and that doesn't always work out maybe for some of Belichick's sure. coordinators, but, but this is kind of a different circumstance because you can at least explain why the Arkansas thing went down the way it did. And then you can look back on the Wisconsin era and say, listen, I don't need that. I need, I need 60% of what you did at Wisconsin and I'm going to be happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I got asked in a mailbag and I'm going to, you know, 
put this out here in the next day or two, Carp, like a 500 Big Ten record. They go, is that is that unrealistic? No. And I said, it's not unrealistic, but let's put into perspective what a 500 Big Ten record is, right? And, and they even put it out there like Illinois had, what, two or three 500 or better seasons in the Big Ten the last two decades, okay? Yeah. So yeah. it's really, this is a really tough job. I think most people know that, but it's a really tough job for what, five or six people in a row here. So that would be an amazing accomplishment where we're putting Brett Bielema among the best Illinois football coaches in modern history, if he is able to do that. But to get there is really hard. Pat Fitzgerald was 5-11 and 11 during Big Ten play his first two seasons, and then he took off, right, from there. And even then, Pat Fitzgerald, do you know his overall Big Ten record is a head coach? I'm going to say around 55%. 63 and 60. Okay. Right? Wow. And he's 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 an unbelievable – he's one of the top 10 coaches probably in the country. Right? Like I, I think he is with, with what he's done at Northwestern. P.J. Fleck is probably considered a success, right? He's 15 and 19 in the yeah. Big Ten. Jeff Brom and all that money he's making, he's 14 and 19 in the Big Ten. So the first four years, if that is Brett Bielema's record – that could be a great success uh, for Illinois. Um, you look at Tom Allen, right? Went 4-14 four and 14 his first two years. Everyone's like, who the heck is this guy? Don't even know what he'd look like walking down the street. Right. Uh, the last couple of years, been an unbelievable success. I think 11 wins uh, in, in the Big Ten the, the last couple of years. So it's it's really hard to get there. Ferentz took three years to take off. Barry Alvarez took four years to take off. Um, so it takes some time. But if you get to 500 in this Big Ten, especially Carp, because I think you'd agree with this, the Big Ten only gets deeper and better. Like, look at what Rutgers is doing now. I think Maryland is going to be improved. Like, the bar continues to be risen because of the the funds that these Big Ten programs can put in and the coaches they're hiring uh, from some really good programs. So, uh, 500, it's not unrealistic at some point, but if he gets there, it'd be really for Illinois football it'd be the best thing that's happened in three decades because no one else has been able to do that consistently. Yeah, and you mentioned this before, it bears repeating, you're in the right division. And you mentioned P.J. Fleck. You mentioned Jeff Brom, Scott Frost, uh, someone that we talked about earlier, and even Pat Fitzgerald, as good as he is, there is a level, or I should say, there is sort of like a ceiling at Northwestern in terms sure. of talent. Like what he's done is incredible, but at the same time, there's not many Illinois Northwestern matchups where I go into thinking that physically and talent wise, you are just outmatched, yeah. right? So that gives you an advantage as opposed to in the East where essentially you got three losses on the schedule at the start of every year. And you mentioned Rutgers and you mentioned Maryland. I'm glad that we get those two teams this year right. and not next year or the year after, because I think that Loxley and Chiano are going to turn those into respectable programs at least as much as they can in the big 10 east so you're in a big 10 west where wisconsin and iowa are what they are and northwestern they are what they are as well but i mentioned the talent thing but there are big time question marks in nebraska and purdue and even to an extent minnesota where i think pj fleck can do a glenn mason kind of thing up there but i really am hitting the brakes on the idea that pj fleck is going to turn that into wisconsin west i don't envision that happening despite all the I'd say charisma, but I guess that's an acquired taste. But some would call it charisma. Depends on your point of view. <laughs> right, yeah. But it, but it does seem like last year, COVID or not, it was a weird year for everybody. But there was quite a bit of that sheen that he had built up the year before that was kind of 
just evaporated. Same and, with Brahm and a little bit. Yeah. And Brahm as well, because two years ago, was it in 2018 uh, or 19 when they smoked Ohio State at home? And I thought, oh, my God, they got a better Joe Tiller. And now we're looking at a program that I'm happy to face Purdue each year because when you don't have a David Bell or a Rondale Moore, there's not a lot there. And they still don't have a quarterback yeah. to replace Plow. Yeah. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, Carp. Uh, I want to before we hit on some, I'll go rapid fire with some some topics of Illinois sports since we last yeah. talked. Um, basketball. Like, what is your level of excitement of getting back to State Farm Center with a full crowd? And it's such a shame that we didn't get any of that last year until the Big Ten tournament, and that was twenty percent capacity, which felt like it was a hundred percent capacity if you were in there because it just it added such a different atmosphere. Um, what is your excitement to get back there, despite the uncertainty of, you know, Io's not back, Kofi's seems to be staying in the NBA draft, but you got Andre Curbelo back, Brad Underwood's back. So even though the roster's different, the whole coaching staff besides Underwood is different. What's it going to be like to step through those doors? I, you mentioned Curbelo. That's all you need. It's not all you need, but in terms of <laughs> excitement, what yeah, me, yeah, what hooks me into next year's team, regardless of the surrounding or the supporting cast. You got a, I think, a burgeoning superstar at point guard. And if you got that, you can figure things out. I also Man, like it's, it's just uh, so different. It's just so like think of the last couple of years. You've gone into these years with Io DeSumo and Trent Frazier, and now you're going in with Trent Frazier and Andre Curbelo. Yeah. Rem- remember the John Gross era where we're like, well, Jalen Tate at point guard and kudos to Jalen. Lucas. Yeah, Tijon Lucas, nice players, right? Mm-hmm. But these are these are just next level point guards. It's different. It, it, it elevates every every guy around them. And I, I do think that there's something with next year. I've used the fan pressure thing a lot, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I do think there's something to this. Because of the timing of last season and the feeling that, well, you got to do it this year, I think there was a big sense among Illini fans that this was the team, and if they don't do it this year, we're kind of screwed. And you know what? There may be some truth to that still. There may be. But it will be nice to just go into a season without thinking, Big 10 title or bust, final four or bust, and just kind of sit back and watch what is kind of a motley crew of talent. You got some veterans mixed in there with the young stud in Cribello. We'll see how Plummer does as a transfer. The front court, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe you get a big jump from a Coleman Hawkins. You kind of need it at this point. Right now, yeah. Uh, but, but all of that aside, I think you still got a tournament team. Yeah, I think the excitement will be there, and there won't be this sort of... You know, as fun as last year's team was, if you think back to mid-January where they were kind of wallowing in the Big Ten, and I still think they were 5-3 and three in conference or something before they went on the run, there was this sense of, ah, this sucks. 
<laughs> because one, there was nothing else to do. And two, it was, well, this team, they got to do it. And now we can just sort of watch I, what I think will be a good basketball team. And can, can, I, can, I, can, I, make, can I make a statement? Because you know how much I, I think conference is, a, is more of a show of what a team is than an NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. So I acknowledge that was one of the most disappointing NCAA tournaments in Illinois basketball history, given oh, yeah. what they had done leading into that. Right. And, and to have it end that quickly, there's no doubt that is an incredibly disappointing. But they like they did everything else, basically, besides win a Big Ten championship. And they have a, an argument that they should have won that, too. Like they did check everything off of it has to be this team. Right. They, they ran roughshod over the Big Ten for the last two months of the season. They had the most wins in the Big Ten regular season and they played three more games in the champ. They won the Big Ten tournament title by beating three NCAA tournament teams in three days. And then they got a number one seed. So if they had just made a sweet 16 or, or an elite eight, like that's one of the greatest teams of all time. So I just I understand it was one of the most disappointing but they did check off of all those, we have to do this this season, and they lived up to that, except for what most people care about, which is the NCAA term. They did, but you know what's made this all the more complicated is that this has been the weirdest offseason. Yes. It really has been. And I'm not, starting with the assistant coaches thing with Antigua and Shin Coleman, because we haven't talked since that all happened, and I addressed it on a couple podcasts, but I've basically not done a podcast for a month. Been a nice little break. But you know, I'd be lying if I said, this is not a bit puzzling all the things that have happened. Now, there's good news. You got Trent back. You got DeMonte Williams back. I don't want to scoff at that. Those are really good veteran players. And I think two solid, two solid transfer additions in Omar Payne, which is a huge one, uh, yeah. and then Alfonso Plummer, right? Those are those are nice players, proven Power 5 players. Plummer more than, than Payne, but like those those are really big additions along with Trent. And like this is an old team next year, despite losing yeah. you know two of the best players in, in college basketball. Yeah, so I mean, all those ingredients tell you they're going to make the tournament next year, barring injuries or something like that. I think they're still a tournament team, and I still trust Brad Underwood as a head coach and the fact that he's been flexible enough to figure out, here's my talent and here's how to maximize it. But it is weird to lose all of your assistant coaches and this sense of momentum. I mean, okay, yeah. losing an NCAA tournament game in the manner in which you did, that's going to hurt momentum no matter what. But it was the two and the three and the four weeks after that where it felt like, well, wait a second. You know, we're, we're talking what? It's uh, June 14th. So three months ago, I don't know what day the Loyola game was, but let's call it March 14th was the day before the Loyola game. And the visions that we had for the immediate future of Illinois basketball are don't match the reality of where they're at right now. They're fine. They're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch them. But, you know, we got caught in this wave as a fan base. And I think, you know, reasonably... Yeah, uh, in a lot of ways, and now all of a sudden we're just kind of looking at a product that's going to be yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the way I would describe this cart is maybe you felt like you were on the verge of a run. I don't want to say early two thousands Illinois because man, like I don't know if if you can do that anymore in this Big Ten. Like I, I just don't know if you can be that dominant with the Big Ten is much stronger I think than it was then. Like it was Izzo and Self yeah. and Weber, right? Like those were what was going on at the time. Um, you know, like I think there's too many good coaches, too many good programs now. Uh, but like I thought you could be what Michigan was under Beeline. Like I thought you could be 
what maybe Ohio State was under Mata. I thought you maybe getting that point or what maybe Michigan's under with Juwan Howard right now and that you could you could be definitely like a top three, top four team in the Big Ten. It feels like to me, and, and maybe I'm just overreacting to this, but it, do, it does feel like what the players he's targeting and recruiting right now, the staff he's kind of put together with Chester Frazier, and I love the hire. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, feels like it might be more set up to be a Purdue-like thing, which is great, right? Like where it's, you have an old team a lot. You have veteran teams that kind of fit the culture and you get really good players, but you're probably not in the discussion for one and dones. Like, I don't, I don't know how many IOs and Kofi Underwood will get right. Like I, I think that's why I was always like, man, enjoy these guys while you got them. Because just to be frank, like during Illinois history, the last two decades, they don't land a lot of players in, in the top 50. So I just don't know how often you'll get those guys. But I feel like that's more of the model of what it's going to. But maybe I'm just overthinking that. Like maybe, no, I, maybe I'm making too much of a cop there. But like I, I do think they're going to be set up to be a good program. Like, but are they going to be the preeminent program in the Big Ten? I think Michigan right now looks like they're going to be that. Yeah, unless Jawan gets swayed by the NBA, and I'm yeah. fingers crossed he does. For selfish reasons, I would love for him to go back there. But yeah, I think that's an apt comparison. And I remember when we hired Bruce Weber that the first, the only real cynicism I had behind it, because I like what he did at Southern Illinois, and we knew the talent coming back. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good match. But my fear was that we would turn into Purdue. Now, again, that's not a bad thing, right? Um, and you make tournaments more often than you don't. But I do think that it is still a bit jarring. And I'm still kind of trying to process the fact that you know, the names that were kind of being bandied about three, four months ago. Well, hey, even if Iowa and Kofi leave, here are some guys that might be coming in next year because Antique was in on them or Chin Coleman's in on them. Um, and now it's, we're just going after, you know, respectable recruits. And again, that's all good. <laughs> Four-star top 100 talents, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's good. That is good. They got a good class coming in. And I got to think that one or two of those guys is going to have an impact on this team. We, we, In a weird way, with all the upheaval on the staff, I think sometimes we gloss over the fact that this might actually be a pretty good class that they did bring in. And that Chester, to his credit, helped solidify even after the assistant coaches left. Mm-hmm. But it is also hard in, in your darker moments to not go down that Illini fan Murphy's law thing and think, well, of course yeah. this happens to Illinois because there is, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to discount people that do. And our friend Isaac Trotter got called out by Trent Frazier for telling the truth <laughs> about what had happened in the off season. So well, far. there's and a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty, yeah. right? You lose that tournament. You lose Adam Miller. You, uh, look like Kofi and I are going broke. Then you lose your two best recruiting assistants who carried a lot of weight there. Then you lose uh, another coach. And I don't know, like I, I don't look into that and say, oh my gosh, there's turmoil. They don't like coaching for Brad Underwood. Like their statements are, say otherwise. The opportunity he gave those guys says otherwise. Uh, and from everything I've heard is, is those guys got, you know, they, they really appreciate Brad and respect Brad. So I don't look into that. I, I look at it as a lot of bad timing. Uh, I I just Kentucky opens up and John Calipari's desperate after the worst season Kentucky's had in four decades. So he goes and gets his guy who's, who's an ace recruiter. That's probably one of the best recruiters Illinois basketball has ever had. And then he wants Chin Coleman to come with him. And Chin Coleman goes, I I was coaching AU ball 10 years ago. I'm going to be a Kentucky. I can't pass that up. He wants to be a head coach someday. And it's going to improve his odds by going to Kentucky and Stephen Gentry, 
know, Tommy Lloyd finally decides to leave Mark Few after 20 years and getting all these head coaching offers. And he goes to Arizona, which, yeah, go there and coach. And he goes, you know, Few goes, I'm going to go get Stephen Gentry, who was on my staff a couple years ago, did great things at Illinois, and this is his alma mater. Right? So I just look at that and say, man, that just looks like a lot of bad timing for Illinois. And I think Brad made a little bit of a reaction in hiring Chester Frazier, a guy that probably they could only get because it's his alma mater and a guy who probably is going to work there until he's a head coach. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Jeff Alexander, someone who's been loyal to him. Brad's used that word loyalty a lot, but you also got a high t- higher talented people. And I think Chester's very talented. Uh, I think he's shown just in the first couple of months of the guys he's been recruiting guy can recruit. Like guy, guy can recruit. He was just at a couple of different places, as he said, weren't as sexy. And I agree with him when it comes to basketball programs. And then Jeff Alexander, I think at least gives you a little bit of continuity. But I think that's why so many people are freaking out about this third assistant or putting so much, um, you know, bandwidth of their mind in this carp is because you're trying to replace Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman to a lesser extent. But those guys were really good coaches and great recruiters. And you're trying to think who's going to get our top 50 talent. I think Chester has to play a role in that. I think the players play a role in that. And Brad certainly needs to play a role in that. But I think they're going to hire someone that's qualified. It's just not going to be as great of a resume probably as Orlando Antigua. Yeah, it's just jarring. It's a bit of whiplash where you go from this, you know, the top of the mountain. And it is, I, I totally agree with that. It is bad timing, but sort of like, you know, a salesman could have the best year ever. And then, you know, the next year he just sucks. And the boss would say, well, what happened? Ah, bad timing, all these. But at the same time, it is a results oriented business. Cliche as that sounds, it really is. And to think that you were on the top of the mountain. And yes, it's still Kentucky. So I don't begrudge. Antigua or Chin Coleman for going to Kentucky of all places or Gentry going back to Gonzaga. But it's hard not to say, really? Like just we we just did this. And then it's all your la- it's happened. your line I fandom comes into play, right? It's like, really? How we we got there and then that happened? Like, come on. How can it not? Right. So <laughs> it, it, it's just this interesting position where fortunately things opening back up and other distractions and other things to think about are happening at the exact same time that there's more uncertainty than I would have bargained for with Illini basketball. Three months ago, I, I could not have predicted that on June 14th, I'd look at a roster and say, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but I wouldn't have the same sort of forward momentum thinking, oh, in 2022 and 2023, just wait until those classes come yeah. in. It felt like that's kind of where they were at. And now there's not a rebuild, but a sort of recalibration to figure out, well, how are you going to establish that long-term success? It does feel like, though, we overlook a little bit about um, you know, what they did in that 2021 class. It's not like there's a Curbelo there, right? Like Andre Curbelo. And I think that's what gives you so much faith right now is you got that guy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he did things I haven't seen a freshman do in, in a long time and just anybody in the country at point guard. I mean, Brandon Podzimski is the Mr. Basketball in Wisconsin. Luke Goody's a four-star recruit out of Indiana. And R.J. Melendez is kind of different than everything they have. Like, I don't know. I, th- I think that class is a pretty good class. But because there's not a top 50 guy in it, we might overlook it a little bit. Um, and I think Payne and Plummer were, were pretty solid additions. So I think there's I think there's a high floor still with that program and, and what they have. It's just, you know, not getting an Amari Burnett or not getting Adam Miller to stay for another year or so far not being able to get like a Trey Mitchell. That I think if you got that kind of player in the front court to add to Hawkins or add to Payne, I'd be sitting there saying this is a top five Big Ten team again. But right now, I'm still think that looks like a top half team 
to me. And yeah, I think if, so. if that's kind of the the retool year, and then you get another year of Curbelo after that with Podzinski as a sophomore and Coleman Hawkins is an upperclassman and Payne with another two years of eligibility after that, like I, I think that's a pretty good program moving forward. And 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 the ultimate X factor, of course, of of Austin Hutcherson and and what he looks like compared to <laughs> never being able to see him on the court. Yeah. Well, you know, who knows, right? He could be the anti-Alex Legion where right. he comes in and actually is that that big-time transfer. But the other factor, I don't – and I, I'm not saying this with any knowledge. This is pure speculation. But let's just say in the next – what would it be? The next four weeks, the feedback that Kofi gets is just, you know what, dude, I oh. know you want to go pro. But, I mean, here's the deal. If Kofi were to, for whatever, for whatever reason, come back, all of a sudden you're a Big Ten title contender again. It's that simple. Yeah, you're one of the best teams in the country. Like yeah. Carbello and Coburn, that's those are two All America candidates, right? Like, the thing is, like Illinois hasn't officially announced it. There's been reports that Kofi is leaning towards staying. The players' trunk thing, all of that. Like, I don't know. During this pandemic, like I didn't think Jake Hansen had a chance to come back. So mm-hmm. until it's like officially official, uh, and we haven't heard that from Illinois or right from Kofi Coburn, it's like there might be a chance. I don't think he'll be back. But yeah, if he were, you'd be a top 15 preseason team probably. You make up a packet with this name, image, likeness stuff, and you say, Kofi, here is our plan to make you. I mean, you know how crazy Illini fans are. Andre Curbelo, if he plays his cards right next year, is going to make a lot of money based on his likeness, as he should. And Kofi, I can only imagine. Uh, so uh, whatever you got to do, I mean, if there's any sort of sales pitch that they can do in the next four weeks, do it. Again, it's probably a shot in the dark, but that really, just that guy, changes you from yeah you're pretty good to oh you know what we didn't win the the title last year but what the hell i mean and that might sound hyperbolic but you would have arguably the best point guard in the big 10 yeah and the best big guy in the big 10 if not the country and then you have these other guys that you won't have to say okay uh luke goody be a really good freshman no like these other guys can find their niche roles and i think that could end up being a team with a high ceiling all right carp can i shoot some uh, questions at you rapid fire yeah, sure. Grade the Chester Frazier hire. B plus. B plus. Uh, I, I, as an Illini fan, I was a little bit surprised at how much I liked the whole Illini guy thing. But if you think about it, I, I really do think that Chester is a guy that was on the up, anyways. Yeah. So if you take the Illini considerations out of it, I think that um, that is a solid hire. And then you add the Illini connection to it, and it's hard not to feel a little bit warm and fuzzy about it. And so far, the early returns are good, especially the fact that. He seemed to play an active role in keeping Podzimski and this class intact. So that's a good start for him. And uh, yeah, B plus, let's right. say. Grade the Jeff Alexander promotion. <sighs> you see, this is, oh man. B mi- If I say B minus, the minus gives it a sort of negative connotation. I thought B- you'd minus- go like C plus, which I think is fine. Like I think Jeff yeah. is, qu- like I think some people don't think Jeff is qualified because he's been on, not in the assistant role, but like, he would have been qualified to be on Underwood's original staff coming from Evansville, right. mid-major and kind of the X's and O's guys that he's known for two decades. Like that makes some sense replacing kind of what Steven Gentry was and, and to have some continuity in this weird off season, it, it makes a little sense, but yeah, you can be skeptical, skeptical about his recruiting until he proves it. Right. B minus only relation to Steven Gentry and full disclosure. I don't know enough about Jeff Alexander and the role that he did play on last year's team. And before that, to say, well, if you slot him into what Gentry was, he's going to be just as good. I'm only saying B minus because it appeared that Gentry made a huge difference for Underwood's program. 
Okay. Uh, early thoughts on Brett Bielema's recruiting so far. It's it's got the uh, he's got the quantity boost right now in the recruiting rankings. A top thirty class, but uh, the lowest average star rating. But five in-state kids. Carp. Yeah, you know, football recruiting's tough. We talked a little bit before we hit record about how the average fan. You got to be a really big time Illini football fan to get into the nitty gritty with that. But there's plenty of those. I'm not one of them, but for me, it's all about, I guess, an overall vibe or perception about how things are going. So you talked about the quantity. That is a big factor. The five Illini guys, that's another factor as well. I, I just like the fact that he's come in and hit the ground running and talking about how the Jeff Alexander grade was in relation to Stephen Gentry. I would kind of grade this in relation to where you were with Lovey Smith. Right. This is the antithesis of what you have with Lovey Smith, where it felt like they didn't have an idea early on, and then they went the Band-Aid solution with the transfer portal to some success. Uh, this seems to be more sustainable, and it seems to be a coaching staff that knows exactly the kind of guys they want, and they may not be the best star ratings, but you know what? That's kind of what Wisconsin and Iowa were built on. Mm -hmm. And if that's the template, go with it. All right. Uh, what's wrong with your Yankees? They're terrible. <laughs> God, uh, and, and this is... Another great reason that things are opening up and I'm not really watching or thinking about them. They are slow. They are not athletic. They're stupid. They're the most base path, uh, most outs on the base path this year. 64 double plays, by far the most in the majors. And despite being relatively young in the lineup, they feel like an old, creaky yes. dinosaur. And they, they aren't fun. They are not fun. The White Sox have fun personalities. The Padres have fun personalities. The Cubs are more fun than the Yankees. <laughs> How did this happen? So it's, uh, and as good as Cashman has been, I've been a big time supporter of us, despite the fact that they haven't won a World Series in 12 years. But I think sometimes there's something to be said about fresh blood and a different vision. And it may be time for them to move on. Yeah. And it would make that he would get scooped up by somebody immediately. Yeah, right? sure. But yeah, I can, I can understand that at, at this point. Um, all right. What's the uh, album of the summer for you right mm. now? album of the summer well i got seven dave shows to go to uh, <laughs> so there's apparently seven. a new dave album is that a record is that a record is this the no i've done seven before okay. i have before once before uh but there I, apparently there's a new dave album maybe coming out later this summer but uh, i don't need new music from them you know the old stuff is where it's at uh my morning jacket it was from last summer but now i'm listening to them again the waterfall too um really good album I'm trying to think there's anything else. I, I always love the way you describe Dave shows. I think your, it was your dad that came up My with this. My dad came up with it. Yeah. 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 Share that with our audience. Basically, it's a tail. It's a tailgate, but your team always wins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the lamest Dave show. You never walk out saying, well, that was a waste of money. Right. Right. And, and then you get the whole lead up to it. So we that's starting actually August 6th and 7th up in Chicago and then just a run of shows and. Yeah, so album of the summer. I'm really just listening to a bunch of live Dave stuff. I'm I'm totally back in like DMB concert mode. That's awesome. Well, anything else you want to hit on, man? I think we covered it all. Uh, no, no. Uh, the podcast. Well, I'll do a couple this summer. It's like I said, it's been a nice break. We've been focusing on the band and things like that. But mm -hmm. it was actually good to kind of get the Illini juices flowing again. I had not I had not done that or really thought about it for the last few weeks. But and I even said to my wife and. And parents yesterday, we were hanging out, and I said, I wonder if by the time football season comes around, will that interest and will that passion like rise back up? And of course it will. I mean, yeah. even just talking here today, it's like, yeah, I care about this. Right. It's important to me, and, and I, I, I do feel more 
at ease with the state of Illinois football, even uh, with the modest expectations that we put on them. And uh, with Illini basketball, you know, you mentioned the Purdue comp, and I do think that if that's what it happens to be, I remember thinking the entire John Gross era, just give me 90s Lou Henson. <laughs> I'll go back to that, and I'll be a happy fan. <laughs> I think that Brad Underwood can at yeah. least accomplish that and, and still have a higher ceiling as well. Yeah, I have higher expectations than that. But, the, I, I mean, the biggest thing is it's starting to feel normal, man. Like, I, it, it's yeah. just like – it's starting to feel like, you know, everybody who wants access to, to lowering the, the possibility of getting COVID, like they have access to that and to see the state open up and to see crowds back and, and seeing what Wrigleyville was this weekend. It's just, and being at a wedding this weekend, it's just like, we, we just appreciate it more, right? Like if, if anything comes out of this, it's just, you, you appreciate being around each other uh, again. And I think that's going to be very, very healthy for us as a society. Yeah, I, I was thinking to last year, and it was a good year overall for us. We got a new house yep. and hang out with the dog more. And I mean, in a lot of ways, there was less stress because there were less things to do. But on the other hand, give me that stress. <laughs> give me the stress of having too much to do. And, and it, it's amazing the difference in just being able to hang out with people, friends and family, and not even really consider, oh, well, do I need to do this or that? It's like, no, like we're, we're safer than we we're as safe as it's going to get. Right. And I think just getting out there and living again, it just feels right. And it feels, um, I'm surprised at how quickly it has felt normal. I thought yeah. there'd be more of a transition process for me, like mentally, nah, right. I'm back, yeah. ready to go. Because if you, if you feel like you're doing what you got to do, hey, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the risk. And if, if we have access to it, man, and you want to lower that risk, you got access to it. So we're back, man. L I V I N carp. L I V I N. <laughs> All right, carp. Always appreciate the time, man. Catch up soon. Yeah, absolutely. Good talking to you. All right. Good stuff with Michael Carpenter as always. All right. Thanks for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Follow us wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us as well. That always helps us out. And check out Illini Inquirer for the latest on Illinois basketball, Illinois football. We got you all covered there, including uh, another official visit weekend for Illinois football. The latest buzz there. The upcoming weekend for football as well. And we got a busy week uh, when it comes to, to media coverage. I'll be at the North Central uh, camp up at Naperville this uh, this Monday, actually later today as we record this. Uh, as Illinois football will be there. They continue to be on the road for some of these satellite camps, uh, scouting and evaluating players. But uh, Josh Whitman has his media roundtable on Wednesday. It's our first chance to really catch up with Josh Whitman since Brett Bielema was hired, which was more than six months ago. So kind of his state of the program address every year, and that'll have plenty of news, I'm sure, and updates coming out of that. Uh, Illinois football is going to give us a little bit of a recruiting visit tour on Thursday, which is really cool. We'll be able to see those guys in person, uh, and we'll have uh, more on that as we go along. And, of course, basketball has some uh, visitors this weekend, and, and they continue, and they're going to start to hit the trail in recruiting, and, and maybe they'll, they'll have a third assistant at some point um, to, to have uh, some help with uh, Chester Frazier and Brad Underwood and Jeff Alexander. Only three can be on the road at each time, so maybe Brad and Jeff and Chester just take it all on themselves uh, for the next couple of days. But uh, I would imagine at some point this month, uh, hopefully, uh, we get some news on that. And of course, we'll always have you covered when it comes to that. So check out IwanaInquire.com for that. Otherwise, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.
should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.